someone told me I need to share with you guys whenever I go away, for, you know, for a period of time. I've been away for the last two weeks. I went to this conference. I go to conferences for one reason, and it's to, it's to learn more about the Holy Spirit and to learn how to lead in the power of the Spirit. It's the only reason I go to conferences. I don't, get, I don't go to get prayer. I don't go to get whammy. I don't go to experience the Holy Spirit. I go to learn how to lead in the power of the Spirit. I think it's the most important thing that I do as a church leader. I can, all the mechanics, all this other stuff that you see happens easy. The hard piece for me is, all right, God, what are you doing, and how do we get there? And that's my job. That's the most important thing of my job. So I went and spent time with this guy who's been doing it 20 years. He said, Antley, I'll let you come up on stage with me. And I just watched him minister to 5,000 people. We invite the Holy Spirit to come. And I just look like an idiot for like, you know, half hour walking around stage, just like looking and seeing what God's doing. And, um, but it's the peace for me as an evangelical that I continue to struggle with. You know, I want to struggle. I want to kind of read the books and do everything that the other churches are doing. Or here's a great formula for church growth. Or this is what you need to do in the new service. Or this is what it looks like to do X, Y, and Z. It's easy to do that. Those things, they do work. It's easy to build church without God, without the leading of the Spirit. But that's not the church we want to be. That's not who God's called River City Church to be. And so if you feel like the Spirit squeals you out a little bit or freaks you out a little bit or you believe, you know, you believe that the, the gifts have ceased or whatever, well, I'm going to talk about that today. And we're glad that you're with us, but hang on. Because we believe the opposite. We believe that the only way to be church is to be led by the Spirit, to be filled by the Spirit. And for everything in our lives to be naturally Supernatural. And so I got to go to this conference, and it was amazing. And I picked this book up there, and I've ordered 50 copies because if I could say that there's one book that speaks to the, mo- you know, the difficulty of us as evangelicals or living in the Bible Belt or Baptists or wherever we come from is this struggle that we have of believing that we can be filled with the Spirit, that there's more for us. You know, and I say that. It's called more. How can we have more of the Spirit when you already have everything in Christ? It's written by a theologian named Simon Ponsonby from England, and it's an amazing book. It's an amazing book. We're going to have 50 copies of them. I recommend that everyone orders, buys, and reads this book, if you consider this your church home, because he struggles with and, and brings us into this struggle of how do we not minimize the work of the cross as being complete, the mission of the cross being outward focused, how do we not minimize those big, important realities that we believe as a church and as a Christian, and at the same time, tell people there's more? I mean, that seems like a contradiction to some degree. I've been, I'm complete in Christ. He's done every, he's secured my salvation. I have everything I need. Happened at the cross. I'm redeemed. I'm saved. I belong to him. I'm secure in that reality. And my mission now is to go out and tell everyone about it. Is there, how can there be more? And, and, and so the danger, the struggle that we have as evangelicals or people who believe that, and we do as a church, is also believing that it's possible to have all that and believe that yet, for me and Jesus, there's still more. And I believe that there's more. I did ministry for 15 years. And I believed everything that I just said, and I did it on my own ability, and I made it happen. I had big ministry, lots of people coming to Jesus. The Holy Spirit was obviously, obviously doing stuff, you know, because I couldn't do all that, even though I thought I was. 
And I was exhausted, and I was tired, and I was worn out. There was no joy, there was no love. It was just what I did because I knew that that was the mission of the cross. And God said, Antley, there's more. And ever since then, I've been going back, and I've been being filled up again and again and again and again and again. So I speak from experience. I speak from the reality that I know is true now because of my life experience with Jesus. And that is, Antley, my desire is to fill you up. And your skin, your wineskin can't hold all of me all at one time. And so I'm going to fill you and grow you and fill you and grow you and fill you and grow you and fill you and grow you. Not at all compromising this reality. Here's a scripture from Paul that he speaks to us. And it's a familiar scripture maybe to some of you. It's Ephesians. Do you have that? Bam! My second career, I'm going to be emerald. All right, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. How? Through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. That you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. What I believe Paul is saying here is that there is a measure of fullness that we receive when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we become a believer. And the Holy Spirit doesn't leak out of us, okay? That's just horrible theology. I need to to go to the gas station to get filled back up with the Holy Spirit because he's leaked out. I've kind of run out of him. No, that doesn't happen, okay? We're complete in the Spirit. The Spirit comes and lives in us. He stays in us, and he doesn't leave, okay? Spirit doesn't go anywhere. Once saved, always saved, I just don't see, I don't read in scripture where that happened, where that doesn't, I mean, that's what happens. Jesus calls someone, I don't think he gets it wrong. So Jesus comes, he calls us, we receive the spirit and we are complete in that reality. But Paul says to the church here, but my desire is that you're filled with power, that you'll know how long, high, deep, and all these things. Do you, do you all believe, who follow Jesus, believe <clears throat> that you're filled with the full measure of Christ right now? There's no more of God for you? Do you believe that? I I don't. I know there's a lot more God I want. But my skin can't hold it probably. Throw the next scripture up. I'll talk more about that in a minute. That's it. The next one's the best one. In Ephesians, two chapters later, he says this. Therefore, do not be foolish in 517. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is God's desire. Don't be foolish, guys. He's talking to the church again. This is what God's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, for that's debauchery, or debauchery, however you say that word, but that's wrong, all right? Don't do that. That doesn't mean we shouldn't drink wine either, so just stop that, all right? But be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord within your heart. But be filled with the Spirit. So he says, don't do this, but do this. The implication is, this is the Lord's will and expectation that you're being filled with the Spirit that makes you appear drunk. That it's like being drunk. He, he, he compares it to being drunk. 
In the New Testament in Acts, what happens? They thought they were drunk because they're filled with the Spirit. That doesn't mean that we all are filled the same way. We all look the same way. It's different for us all. But the reality is, the implication from Paul is, for all of us, is that when we become Christians, we're filled with the Spirit. We're different. But then there's this additional filling that happens, okay? So this is you. Before you're filled with God and you're a non-believer, you're just like this piece of rubber, you know, it's not very good. It's not very happy, all right? And then all of a sudden, this is what happens, is God calls you to himself and you're filled with God's breath. The same, you know, I'm not gonna go into the theology of it, but basically the same breath that gives life and creation when, whenever the spirit comes to you and fills you, it's the same life that comes to you, the same kind of words are kind of used or whatever. But here, this is what happens to you. Right? And so all of a sudden, you're not this like useless piece of rubber, right? Like you got purpose. I'm a balloon. Woo, I like this. I like being filled. This is totally different than what I used to feel. This is amazing. I love the feeling that I feel now, now that I know Jesus, right? That's what happens at conversion. God fills you with his spirit, right? Now, does this happen? No. Spirit doesn't leak out. What happens, though, is you're filled with the spirit. You begin, look at that. I didn't have this last night. I wrote it today. You reflect God more clearly. As you're filled, one of the things happens, I'm gonna show you a scripture that supports this, is that you reveal God to the world more clearly, okay? And so, is the balloon filled right now? It's filled with air, right? The spirit's air, it's filled with the spirit, right? Is it more filled right now? see God a little more clearly, right? Why? Because it's, you're filled with more of the Spirit, right? Has any of the old Spirit left? No! The balloon's more full than it was, right? Yeah. Is the balloon full? Is it? Well, it's full, it's full of the Spirit, right? But is it filled to the full measure that the balloon could handle? Uh-uh, see? See, how clear is God now? The more you're filled with the Spirit, the more you reflect God, the more easily you do naturally what God wants you to do, less on your own effort. Is the balloon filled with the Spirit? Yes. Is it full to the full measure that it could hold? Probably not, but I'm not going to find out. (laughs) Billy Graham said this. Billy Graham, Baptist Billy Graham said this, went all over the world, saw lots of Christians, and this is what he said. You got that, Doug? He said this, no, 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 that's not it. The Anglican role said that. I'll say that at the end. All right. This is what Billy Graham said. Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. God's people. He's talking to people who follow Jesus and have the Holy Spirit. That's who he's speaking to. All right? Everywhere I go, I find that people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all they expected, and they often have reoccurring defeat in their lives, morally and spiritually, he says. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation 
is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham, Baptist Billy Graham, says to us who follow Jesus, who know Jesus, this is what the world needs. It's for those who say they love Jesus, who say they know Jesus, who are filled with the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. I mean, he's pretty trustworthy, sir. You know what I mean? He's, I mean, as, in terms of like spiritual people, there's Jesus and just below, there's Billy, you know? You know, me and William, we go way back. And I trust him. I trust him, okay? And yet you say, I know this is what you're saying right now. But, Anthony, I don't, I don't feel like I need more. I really don't feel like I need more. You know, my life is ticking along. What do I really need more for? There's this guy that's really spoken to my life. I don't know him. He's dead. His name is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he has written probably the most famous and respected um, books on the book of Roman, commentaries, theological commentaries on the book of Roman uh, in the Reformed Church. And the Reform, I say that because the Reformed Church in general teaches and believes that the gifts have ceased, okay? That this, what I'm talking about today is no longer. That once and for all, it's done, it's done. But not everyone, John Piper, I'm gonna read a quote from him. He's Reformed, he doesn't believe that. But anyway, so this is what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says. He said this, once said to those Christians who claim to have it all, who claim that there's nothing more of God to receive, there's not another experience, that once they have it, they have it. Got it all? He says this to his church like this. I'll say it like I'm talking to him, you, because I am talking to you. You say you have it all? I simply ask in the name of God, why then are you as you are? If you've got it all, why are you so unlike the New Testament Christians? If you say you have it all, then why aren't you doing the things that the Christians did in the New Testament? Why doesn't our church look the way that the New Testament church looked? There's one of two reasons. Either he gave them more, which doesn't make sense because the commission that he's charged us with, the Great Commission, is the same one that he charged them with. Go and do greater things than I've done. Go and make disciples of all nations. Wait on my spirit. Everything that they needed to accomplish the work of the kingdom, certainly we need to continue and to accomplish the work of the kingdom. So either he gave them more, which I don't think is true, or we haven't purposed ourselves in seeking all that he has for us. Because certainly we'd agree that there's a disconnect between what we see and experience now in our church and what we see and experience in the New Testament church. And I know, well, that was a season of the church when God was doing X, Y, and Z. The charge was the same, folks. Heal the sick. How do you know the kingdom has come? John the Baptist said, Go to, is he the one, is he the Messiah? Go tell him this. This is what it looks like when my kingdom comes. The lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind receive sight, Demons are cast out, and the word is proclaimed. Is it different now? Is that your reasoning? That you're not casting out demons, that we're not healing the sick, that the blind aren't being, receiving sight? No. I believe it's because we stop seeking the heart of what God has for us. I believe as we've settled for less as the church, we've rationalized it away. 
And God has so much more for us. I think he has so much more for me. I'm more hungry now for God than I've ever been in my life. I believe now more than ever that God has more for me. And I'm seeking and pursuing to be filled with his spirit every time I get the chance. Because if there's anything that this church is lacking, that is it. In Psalm 42, the psalmist says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Is that the greatest hunger that you have, the greatest thirst that you have? You see, I think a lot of us, I'm included in this, you know, there's a hunger that God's given us for him. There's a hunger, but it's really not a hunger. I think it's a thirst. It's like we've mixed them up. And when we get hungry, we go to what we're familiar with, and that's the word. And there's nothing wrong with the word, but the word only becomes powerful through the spirit. And I think God wants us to realize that we're actually very thirsty, and you're confusing it for being very hungry. And when you're hungry, we go to the word, but God's saying, you're thirsty, come to me. As a deer would come and pant and long more than anything for water that satisfies so I desire to satisfy you. And we go back to what's familiar again and again and again and again. And we know if we're honest, our lives don't reflect what we know they should. Deep down in our hearts, there's a hunger or a thirst still. If we do not thirst for God with the greatest desire, we will never know how he might satisfy us with his love. If we don't believe there's more in the spirit, there's more that we can be filled up again and again and again, then how do we really know that there's not more? Well, my experience tells me that. So you're basing, you're basing your belief in your truth on a, an experience that you don't have. Well, I'd rather base my experience or my expectations on the word. Because what the word teaches us is that there's more. Well, you're after all experience. Well, you're ex- you're after only experiences, Antley. I am after an experience with God because that communicates a love relationship, not a cognitive one. We should expect, as we are filled with the spirits, to experience God's love, to feel God's love like we would any other person as we fall in love with them. That's what it should be like. And it's not something that's unique. It's something that's memorable, but we're filled again and again and again. It's like the first time, you know, I kiss Laura, my wife, You know, it was very memorable. But thank the Lord it wasn't unique. Thank the Lord it was the beginning of more to come. And the same thing is true as we experience the Holy Spirit. When we're blown up, we're filled up for the first time. That's not unique. It's like, wow, I remember that. But we're filled up again and again and again. It's a taste of more to come, of greater intimacy, of greater love that we have for God. I mean, Jesus promises, he says, whoever believes in me, As the scripture have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit. Out of our hearts will flow rivers of living water. This book that I just recommended to you, all this stuff comes from there. And there's a quote towards the end of it. Because I think the litmus test in our life is not 
Am I casting out the, the demons? Am I healing this? Am I doing the, the, the reality of the true litmus test of whether or not we're experiencing the love of God is whether we love God. If we've been filled with the Spirit, there is a genuine love in our life that desires Jesus more than any other thing. More than, and, and, and we can't figure it out, but there's just something in our heart that longs for Jesus' love. And the reason I'm talking about this first before our other values in the church, because everything else flows out of this love that comes when we're filled with the Spirit. I went and had a quiet time when I was at, when I was at seminary one time. I was studying the spiritual disciplines and the inner journey and all that stuff that I, as a, an evangelist and kind of church leader, I just kind of ignore and, you know, I'm not naturally drawn to. And I go away, I literally like go into my prayer closet. I go to a closet, and we're at this, at this uh, like up in Philadelphia, at this Eastern College. And, um, and I just experienced the Holy Spirit. I can't, I don't, even, I, don't, I don't even know what happened. I'm just like, all right, Jesus, I want to experience you. I love you, whatever. I'm reading through this book that I'm supposed to read for this class I'm taking. And I come back, and my roommate's like, dude, what's going on? You look like you just kissed your girlfriend. I was married. Like, it looks like you just kissed Lori. You look all happy and warm and mushy and googly. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just, something just happened in quiet time. They involved Jesus and I just, this is what's happening. And I just glowed, you know, and I just, I couldn't explain it. It was just God. But my, the, the, the fact, the reality was, is God touched my heart. He filled me with more of him and I was stretched to a greater capacity to love him to experience love from him. But this, I want to read this Anglican named Roll, who was a mystic and a monk. He says this. He says that there's three levels of loving Jesus. A mere love which obeys his commands, which is outward, which is like the love of a slave. A slave has towards its master. You know, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to obey what you say to obey because I know I'm supposed to. Jesus, I'm going to do what you did on the cross. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to go reach the world for you because I know that that's true. I know I'm supposed to do it, so I'm going to go do it. It's the love of a slave. And that's not bad. We're commi- we're, we, we need to obey my, those who love me, obey my command. So that's good, but it's not best. It's not, it's not great. But that's our only motivation. That's the first level. A second level is I love a love whose heart it's constantly fixed on Jesus. And so it goes from here to here, me and Jesus, which again, isn't bad, but it's only me and Jesus. There's nothing that happens out here, often when we get turned in that way. But it's a love that's fixed on Jesus, as opposed to the world, as opposed to the other things of the world. But again, so this is good. And, and some of us have maybe moved into that level where there's a true reality that we love Jesus really, you know, a lot. All right? Now here's the third level. This is what I want. And this is what I want all of us to want. A love which sets you on fire and all who touch you feel the heat of it. This love is indescribable. And then Roll has this quote. Put that quote up, Doug, the one that you had earlier that you thought was Billy Graham. It was this guy. I'm gonna end with this. And this is what he says. Then your soul, this is the third level. Then your soul is loving Jesus, thanking Jesus, desiring Jesus, breathing only in its desire for him, catching fire for him, resting in him. Then your thought turns to song and then into harmony. Then you feel compelled to sing the psalms that you previously recited. Then death will seem to you sweeter than honey because then you are most certain to see him whom you love. Then you can say, I am sleeping 
but my heart has finally come awake. Do you long for death? Do you love Jesus like that? I don't, but I want to. I want to more than anything. You know, Roll says, at the very end of this quote, it says, and Roll acknowledges that very few people find this level of love. They ever get to this place. But why would we settle for anything but this? That our greatest desire is to die to be with Jesus so that our heart will truly come alive. And until then, we long and we desire and we seek and we breathe only Jesus. I mean, how many of us can say that that's where we are? I know that I can't. Well, how does it come? How does this happen, Haley? How can I get this? By being filled with the Spirit. It's the only way. You can't make this happen. You can't read the Bible. You can't go do missions. You can't do community. You can't do anything. You can do nothing to get this. It only comes by being filled with the Spirit. That's what Paul's talking about. And if you don't long for Jesus in this way, then come forward when we have ministry and ask, God, I want along, I want that, I want this. I want him more than anything. I don't want to settle for less as an individual. And I don't, I, I don't want you guys to settle less for less. I mean, I think we all, that's our goal. To love Jesus like that, to pursue Jesus like that. And it only comes by being filled with the Spirit. And being filled with the Spirit's tough. I mean, I know it's awkward for a lot of you. I know when we have ministry time, you come down and some of you are like, all right, here we go again. I'm not, I, I, it's just like another lukewarm cup of coffee. It just doesn't happen for me. You know, my wife said last night, she's brilliant, she's smart, she's so smart, she's amazing. She's type A, and she is amazing. And she comes down faithfully and just has never experienced the outpouring of the Spirit like she desires. And she's so hungry for it, but she comes again and again. And I know, I mean, that breaks my heart because I know a lot of us are like that. I know a lot of you have done that. And just the sense I have in the Spirit as I was talking to Laura last night is that it's every day, this is what we need to seek, folks, every day. If we really want Jesus like this, it's every day coming to him, leaving space for him and saying, Jesus, I, want, I just want more of you. I want to be filled with more of you, with more of your love. And I believe our greatest experiences in the Spirit aren't going to come here. They're going to come in, in our quiet times with God. They're going to come in our personal life. And my response to her last night was, honey, it's not going to happen at RCC. It's going to happen in your prayer closet. It's going to happen when no one's looking. And those experiences will build up our faith and expectation. And then all of a sudden, it will happen. The promise of Paul is it will happen. The full measure that Jesus says, living streams of water flowing out of our heart, it will happen. It's a promise from his word. And as good evangelicals, we can trust and we need to trust that. So we're gonna go for it again. And some of you are gonna come forward maybe and be disappointed, but a lot of us, our lives are gonna change this morning as we ask for the spirit to come and fill us up. So let's stand. I want everyone to participate. We have your kids for 10 minutes, but come forward if you'd like prayer. Come forward if you like, you want more of the spirit. Come forward and we're gonna pray for that to happen right now.